0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Arrow Bandwidth and this one is uh, is quite unique. Um, I'm actually recording this from Stansford Airport and uh, I am basically about to catch a flight off to Barcelona for the uh, annual Canales conference. <music> now, for those of you who don't know what Canales is, it's essentially a channel... Um, Analyst firm who put on every year a conference where all sort of senior execs from the channel can go and, and get the latest insight and the latest understanding of what's going on in the channel. Now, this particular year, the theme is digital first, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to going and learning. Now, this is my first canalist so I thought, and the Bowman team generally thought it would be a good idea to go along, get some insight, bring it back, and share it with uh, you, the listeners. So if you weren't fortunate to come out, well, fortunate enough to come out to canales this year you are more than welcome to listen and hopefully we will make you feel like you did so sit back and enjoy this balance special from canales speak soon so end of day two of Canalis, uh, day one was a bit of a travelling day and uh, a couple of meetings, but day two really has been the the meat of the show. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, keynote has been brilliant. We've seen uh, we've seen Michael Dell being uh, been put on the spot, which was quite uh, quite a sight to behold. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, Steve Brazier, who's the CEO and the founder of Canalis, uh, essentially gets the guys up on stage and then grills them for an hour, believe it or not, um, about their business. Uh, I think there was a few a few off-topic questions, and one of the best things uh, about the Canala show is it's driven and powered quite uh, quite centrally by an app, uh, an app on your iPhone. And essentially the app allows you to not just uh, understand what's going on and check out your agenda, but also to actually interact in real time with um, with what's going on on stage. So we were able to actually ask questions, um, candid and and at times, uh, quite telling questions, um, and Steve. Oh, and by the way, you can also vote for the questions that you want to be asked, asked and answered by the people on stage, and uh, and Steve reads them out. And uh, essentially, they, they sit, and it's sort of a one to one, but with a thousand other people in the crowd, and uh, and yeah, they they answer the questions, and, and yeah, there was it was quite a no holds barred, uh, very grown up um, session. So yeah, very much enjoyed. Uh, one of the highlights for me was actually Steve's keynote. Um, so we'll find out a lot more about Canalis and what it is and, uh, and who they are tomorrow because we're actually interviewing Steve as part of the podcast. But uh, he does a, a keynote every year, uh, does an hour basically. He's a, a very, very good analyst and essentially gives Canalis' view of the channel and the IT industry um, over the last sort of uh, last 12 months and also looking into what the next the next sort of 12 months might hold. Um, some of the real things that stuck in my mind at the back of that were he'd, he'd sort of uh, noticed, because obviously when you register for Canalis, you put down sort of what type of business, what your organization does. And one of the things that he had, um, he had noticed was that the business um, type of the people registering for Canalys had uh, he'd seen a massive spike in uh, people calling themselves MSPs, who may have, the previous year, called themselves um Vars. So really interesting change. I think in general the market is moving more towards that service provision um integration type world. And uh yeah so end of day two. Looking forward to the Garden dinner Tonight and uh and yeah and then the start of uh, of day three and we'll see what that holds. Speak soon. Cheers. Steve Brazier of Canalis. So, Steve, first and foremost, thank you ever so much for your time today, and uh, if you'd like to just explain who you are and, uh, and say exactly what Canalis is in your own words.
1: Thank you very much, David. So, welcome, everybody. Uh, my name's Steve. I founded Canalis um, 19 years ago with two of my colleagues, and we've built an analyst firm focused on the channel. Even 19 years ago, when we, sp- we started the company, we picked the name Canalis, which is Latin for channels. We actually misspelt it. You'll probably better work that out if you think <laughs> hard about why we deliberately misspelt it. Um, and so canals is Latin for channels and we, we provide information about what's going on in the market, market data, market trends, all to do with the technology industry in the channel. And we're very proud. It's very successful. we we now have offices in Singapore, in Shanghai, in Palo Alto, in California and a UK base, plus people working from home from all sorts of places like Columbia. Kenya, wow. North Wales. North Wales. <laughs> um, so, how many years has this event been running for? This is the ninth year. Fantastic. We actually skipped one year. We once did an 18 month gap during yep. the financial crisis. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a, very appropriate. Sli- a slightly difficult time, and um, but this is so this is the ninth year, yep. and um, we run this event annually, but we also do it in Asia. So in a couple of weeks we're off to Macau, Blimey. and then we're off to Mexico in November, and the Asian event is bigger than the European event. So and, and how many people are here? Because one thousand and But people. the maximum is a thousand. So I'm not sure how the extra thirty got in. But that's absolutely amazing. And to run an event in Barcelona in particular, we have to book and pay or reserve those um, meet those hotel rooms a year in advance. Wow. And anything beyond that, we can't get rooms. It's totally full.
0: Well, I must admit, it's been a, yeah. it's been one of the most more enjoyable events I've been to for a very simple reason that. The, I think the, the quality and the level of the, uh, the keynotes, and, and actually the candidness with which you've sort of steered a lot of the questioning, has been absolutely fantastic. And your keynote yesterday, really good, very informative, so really enjoyed that.
1: Let me, let me make a couple more points. To, two reasons why the event's been so successful. Obviously, we weren't great, the first one was difficult when we did this event, but we've learned a lot. And there two things why it's successful one is um, we work closely with all the distributors, yep. including Arrow. To invite the audience which means they can choose who comes and um, that guarantees us we're getting the right people in each country huge part the event is supporting and celebrating distribution and the second thing is as you just alluded to we've moved away from PowerPoint presentations and we've realized what we need to do is get very senior people and get them chatting and and this was the first time we got all five to chat
0: and the very fact that you had people like Michael Dell on yep. stage and you were able to question him and, and force him into a position where he was very candid and I thought he was very honest about his business. I mean, that was testament to, to the quality of the audience yep. you're
1: getting. Yeah, oh, Michael Dell, but we had many many other top speakers. Antonio Neri, yep. rising star at Peter packard Enterprise, Dion Weisler, the CEO of HPI. We had Edwin Palvast, who's the run Cisco in Europe, Middle East, Africa and Russia. And of course, John Franco Lanci, the president and CEO of um, Lenovo. So yep. the whole lineup was very impressive.
0: the role and the future of the channel being? Now obviously this conference is all about embracing digital. So first and foremost the question why the uh, why the name, why the sort of why the theme for this particular conference being around embracing and sort of and actually embracing moving forward with the digital
1: first. Okay. I suspect most of the listeners know this and it's hard for me to say anything new, but every industry is becoming digital. Yeah. And um, there are examples from everywhere, people talk about all those examples. When we talk, we try and pick profitable examples, so we don't mention Uber or Airbnb on stage, no. uh, because we want to talk about bi- real business yeah. is not venture capital-backed bubbles. Yeah. Um, but uh, whatever it is, healthcare, transportation, education, um, finance industry, everything's going digital, and yeah. um, that should be good news, for the mm. technology industry in the channel. It's also true we're struggling to capture that revenue today. Yeah, and, and that yeah. sort
0: of brings me neatly into the first sort of real question, which is how does the channel em- evolve to embrace digital? Because, you know, for, for me looking at the channel, and this doesn't, this is absolutely not a brush to tarnish every, every reseller with, a lot of them are trying to evolve. But a lot of them are stuck in a world where they're really struggling to compete against born in the cloud resellers, the guys who have grown up from day one with a business model that embraces subscription base and, and sort of annuity revenue streams rather than big chunky revenues. And, uh, and I've got a lot of my channel partners really struggling to sort of evolve and, and move forward. So how, I mean, what's your experience and, and what are your sort of, how would you help, what advice could you offer?
1: Are we talking here just about Europe or are we talking globally?
0: Uh, let's stick to Europe for now, okay.
1: Um, so I, sorry to correct you, but we don't really agree with that question. Um, there aren't many um, born in the cloud partners in Europe. Okay. And um, there aren't many successful born in the cloud partners, it's a myth. Um, there there are some in the US which is hence my question but even uh, the most famous one that everyone was quoting in the US cloud Sherpas sold out to Accenture and I'm sure never made a profit so it was bubble talk all of this ball in the cloud the channel is doing really well selling cloud services and um, what I try to say on stage is where the success is is those partners who are able to offer a broad portfolio and meet all their customers needs from managing a printer to providing software as a service, to providing hosting services, wireless networking, security, the whole works. Those are the partners that win. It's not so it's not against new born a cow partners. It's also not really against new MSPs appearing from anywhere. Most of those are struggling. It's channel partners who set up a managed services business that are winning.
0: Um,
1: so that's the first point. So, and I'm not sure that I agree that that you use the word channel struggling. The channel's not struggling, it's um, channel partners, the second tier, as opposed to distribution, are growing. Um, you know, over the last three years, most of them are growing in double digits. This year, they might only grow 5%, so it has slowed down. But pretty much everywhere we look, partners are growing. Um, and also, I think um, yeah, the tone of your question, if I can correct you, uh, is a little bit patronizing. Um, and most channel partners are owned by the management team or at least the manager of big state. They're very invested in making the success of their business. And the most important thing in running any business is listen to your customers. So sometimes when I've been doing this channel tracking job for 25 years, (laughs) and um, sometimes people ask me, what's changed? And if I want to have fun, I say, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed at all. What the channel does is provide technology to the small and medium businesses. What's changed is the technology. So one example I like to give is uh, in the early, mid-1990s, uh, if you're a channel partner, you had Novell Netware at the core of your business. Mm. They own the channel and their training programs, certification programs, all the rest of it. Clearly, if you stayed with Novell Netware, you don't exist anymore. But Novell disappeared or virtually disappeared, uh, but the channel moved on to the next thing that the customers wanted, and that's what they have so to do.
0: sort of... Coming back, and I brilliant, really, really appreciate the sort of your there, but coming back to sort of the, the, the fundamental of that question, I think one of the biggest areas we find that our partners are struggling is not necessarily in understanding what the cloud means to their customers. It's um, we find a, a disparity between sort of owners of the business who see that long-term view and the newity revenue stream being the next big thing for them, and the salespeople in, on the floor who are saying, okay, well. I can hit my targets by selling a big piece of chunky tin or I can sell, you know, an annuity revenue stream that's going to pay out over five years. Now, as a CEO of a company, I know in five years I'm almost definitely going to still be there. As a salesperson in a bar, you might not be there. So you're not actually going to see that same sort of return on your, on your investment. So how does the channel and how do VARS specifically evolve their sort of business to be able to cope with that? Because that's probably the single biggest issue we
1: found unless you're gonna correct me again, which would be brilliant, so please. <laughs> I'm not I'm completely gonna correct you, but I'll go back to the point. The channel needs to provide the services its customers want. Mm. There's a lot of rubbish talked about, CapEx versus OpEx. Yeah. Most customers don't care. If you're dealing with a customer who um, doesn't have the capital to buy their t- technology, they're not really the kind of customer you want to have, and they're probably not gonna be around very long. So this CapEx and OpEx thing is, is really rubbish. Um, okay. Now, if you're a vendor and you can get your customers onto a service contract, fantastic. Renewable revenue streams, consistent, predictable, renewable revenue streams bring um, much higher share prices than selling new kit. So it's very much in the vendor's interest to go to a subscription model. Vendors are kind of encouraging, some would say forcing their customers to go to a subscription model doesn't mean it's in the customer's interest to go down that model. And they are being forced to some extent. So uh, I think this, the channel doesn't need to go to manage services at, against the customer's will. Okay. The channel needs to provide a choice to those customers who want to buy equipment or who want to have a managed service. I think the real difficulty is the vendors who force the channel okay. t- towards the services model. Yeah. And um, yesterday in the keynote, the closing slide, we had this gold, silver, bronze yes. slide. And it was exactly the point you're making. Uh, the vendors say we should be in services, but they're still tar- targeting us on product sales. How do we set incentive schemes? That is the number one challenge that's today. A, that's exactly yeah. the, sort of
0: the point I'm trying to get to. Yeah. is How do we flow that down into the resellers? Because, as I say, it, it's, it's the disparity between what people want and actually what's going to keep the lights on. This, yeah. I suppose, is where the myth of the Boy in the Cloud guys comes from. Because the Boy in the Cloud guys have got their business model sorted from day one to be able to? No, running.
1: almost none of them make any money, so I wouldn't say they've got the business model at sort all of at all. Perfect. That works uh, for me. Yeah. Right, you heard it here first.
0: Uh- <laughs> so a lot of our partners and our, um, our MSPs and our vendors are in planning mode, well, we'd like to think they're in planning mode, especially in October, it's so a big time to plan for, for Q, uh for 2017 and, and beyond. So where do you see the opportunities to invest as a, as a bar or an MSP? Sort of where do you see the opportunities to invest to, to really um, get the most out of 2017?
1: I think it's uh, a hard question. Yeah, I'll try and explain why. Uh, the If we call it, I don't really like the word traditional, but if we call it the classic um, channel model, you sold hardware, server storage, networking, PCs, whatever, yeah. to your customers, and it didn't really matter which industry your customer was in. The solution was pretty similar. Yep. Um, as that becomes a smaller part of the overall mix of technology industry, I think it's becoming more important to focus on the industries your customers are in yep. and understand those needs. So it's quite hard to say in a podcast like this what everyone should do because depending which vertical you know is, is what you should be focusing on. Um, But some of the things we have talked about in the past are are things like recruit developers, deliver apps for your customers, deliver apps to your internal people, possibly from a sales enablement point of view, for example, and um, try and become a digital company yourself. Live and breathe it. People who have the developers will be the kings of the future or are already the kings of today. Um, and as technology goes everywhere, you're using great technologies for this podcast, uh, the ability to sell solutions goes everywhere. Yeah. Into the classroom, into the hospital, into the bank, into the retailer, everything.
0: So would you say, um, in a nutshell, sort of don't try and be famous for everything, start to look at the industry verticals you can play in, and then expand your digital capabilities, start yeah. to develop some custom stuff yeah. you know, own something yeah. actually have because I think one of the single biggest problems we see today is all of our customers are coming to us and they're not there's no real uniqueness to them. There's no real so our bars, you know, one bar to another bar to another bar all have reasonably the same proposition. Is to take this piece of technology and deliver it. Often often, you know, offer a, an enhanced service around yeah. it some description, which is semi unique sometimes, but really and truly the value yeah. is in is it actually go out and, and really create
1: something, something valuable? That's yeah, I agree with that entirely. Um, but let's if we talk, about, we bring it a bit closer to home. The managed services business is growing nicely. Yeah, um, many customers now prefer to have their data held by their channel partners a managed service provider than they do hold it themselves, and that's already taken the channel into skills like data center management, provide, providing security services. It's made them a bit more independent of the vendor because they buy. It and, and use it themselves rather than resell it. Uh, but the interesting thing, and it um, is really important point, regulation and compliance still matter to a lot, a lot of businesses. And therefore, again, focusing on the vertical and your country you're in, your ability, and particularly with EU GDPR coming in next year, um, your 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 strength can be having a solution that's stamp of approval for the industry sector you're serving. That, uh, and that's a differentiation.
0: Yeah. I mean very quickly on that note around GDPR, how do you see the channel embracing that piece? Because it's not just about technology, it's about ensuring, you know, risk compliance, yeah. um, and then it's continually uh, sort of monitoring and ensuring that piece going forward. I mean what do you see channel partner, how the hell do they evolve to be that to be a, a trusted partner in GDPR? GDPR? That's gotta be a quite a task.
1: And as I said on stage yesterday, security is the is growing the only significant sector of the industry that's growing right now yeah. so security itself is a good place to focus and um, I imagine that will continue because there seem to be more and more hacks rather than less and less hacks <laughs> um, so security is absolutely a hot place to be yeah. EU GDPR uh, the legislation is well written well thought out uh, and absolutely the right thing to do from the point of Protecting the customers yep. and making it clear who's responsible for what, but it's new law. It hasn't been tested in court, and it's difficult at this stage to know how very, serious it will be. Yeah, how serious it will be implemented or not. Because one of the um,
0: things um, so we just we actually had a podcast on GDPR that actually went out a couple of weeks ago, and um, one of the things that we discussed was, you know, okay, so you're a you're a, a US organization. So take Arrow for example. Because parts of our business touch the European, European markets, does that mean all of Arrow's organization needs to be GDPR compliant, just in case there's data held in you know, Denver or, or Colorado somewhere? How far-reaching could this, this be? Uh,
1: it, it may well end up being global. Yeah. Or it may well be global everywhere except the US, and there's some treaty with the US in some way. Um, uh, okay. But again, the European Union is leading the world in this regulation. So they they definitely try, their will and their desires are absolutely correct. The implementation we'll have to see. Uh, So almost certainly for Arrow, you'll need to comply globally. And if you've got any European data outside Europe, you'll definitely have to comply globally. It will be the new standard.
0: Yeah, one of the things that we, uh, when we we went a little bit left field with the the conversation with one of our GDPR experts, um, we did start saying, well, if we are out of the EU, is there the opportunity for, for the UK to become the Swiss bank of data almost? You know, and secure skirt the river? Another conversation well, for another
1: day. Uh, I think it's more likely Switzerland becomes that than the UK. <laughs> and you know, already some big big partners have invested data centres in Switzerland for that purpose. Really? Yeah, wow. absolutely. So I think it's, that's more, it's more likely to be a Swiss industry. But the UK will almost certainly have to comply with the EU GDPR. Uh, because if they're holding any European data, they have to comply. Um, Like with a lot of things about Brexit, you'll probably find that UK ends up adopting pretty much identical laws because otherwise they won't be able to trade. Yeah, Uh, that makes perfect sense.
0: So, last question, because I appreciate your time is incredibly valuable, but... It's a big one, specifically for, for me. But what do you see the future of distribution? Being? Simply because as we go further and further towards cloud and services, mm. and we have less and less to traditionally distribute in a very you know, you know, traditionally distribute. How do you see the role of the distributor evolving and changing? What is the what, is, what do you see the future of distribution being?
1: I kind of give the same answer as I did about the channel partner. I don't think distribution has changed really in 20 years. Um, what it does is it gets products and services from A to B, very efficiently, with good service, good support, credit management, all the rest of it. Yeah. The products obviously change, yeah. but the core fundamental hasn't changed. And now, you know, so before that, you know, the distributors say, well, how much they've changed. I think um, what's, what will change is the products they sell. So for example, we had huge growth in distribution in the last three or four years. Not Arrow, but the the, the broadliners based around smartphones and how that switched to distribution as the most efficient route to market in most countries. And there will be new technology that distributors sell. Mm -hmm. For example, robots. Consumer robots, commercial robots. 3D printing is coming. There will be uh, probably a big uptake in maybe healthcare, but will become digital, digital and go into an IT distribution model. And I would predict that within five years distributors are selling cars cars maybe maybe it may be made by apple and the car industry can come to distribution so and by the way autonomous vehicles are not just about selling a product no no no. They're about- it's about managing a fleet doing all the data doing all the analytics around the fleet so distribution will be absolutely fine it will just move to the new areas of growth that are technology centric so
0: my next question was going to be some of the lines of how do you see us evolving our value and how do you see us evolving our sort of, um, you know, what we offer as value-added services, but we're distributing cars now, so it doesn't matter. Well, I'll tell you what, that was the most left-field way to finish the podcast I've ever had. So, Steve, I really can't thank you enough for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Didn't think we were going to get you, but thank you so much for coming along, and, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of the conference.
1: I enjoyed it too, and I think you're doing (laughs) a good job. Well done. (laughs) Thank you very much. Cheers, Steve. Thanks.
0: So there you have it. That was Canalis. Uh, big thank you to to Steve. I can't tell you that guy uh, is now dashing straight off to go and record and sorry, rehearse sorry for his uh, his closing keynote. Um, he is uh, a very busy man, so thank you very very much to to him for his time. So day uh, day three. So it's a bit of a half day. finishes um, finishes at about lunchtime um, with obviously that closing keynote. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. The uh, gala dinner was fantastic last night. A bit surreal in places. And, uh, and, and 1,030 uh, people got stuck in quite significant traffic. So what was meant to be a 30-minute a drive ended up being an hour and a half, which was uh, unexpected, to say the least. Uh, but I think everyone enjoyed it. Everyone had a good time. Um, and we've got some... Uh, we took some 360 degree videos of the entertainment so if you'd like to uh, check that out check in the show notes and you'll see uh, you'll see some of the, the video that we captured from the event um, but no all in all it has been a really interesting really worthwhile uh, worthwhile thing to come and, come and do uh, I think the meetings uh, everyone's here I think that's, that's the key thing literally the, the senior people from every vendor every partner every distributor are here so if you want to come meet people and talk to people and uh, and do it all in a really cons- you know, concise and and sort of time constrained um process this is the place to be i have not seen so many execs and so many senior people from vendors from distributors from partners from service providers in one place at one time in my life before so quality of of people here massive tick in the box quality of the keynotes the theatres and the roundtables keynotes I think have been fantastic uh, on the whole the uh, theatres have been fantastic some of them have been a bit of a regurgitation of a press release which is a shame but I do get that and um, and it's part and parcel but on the whole they've all been really really good and uh, very appropriate very um, grown up content which is obviously considering the audience Exactly what it needs to be, but but yeah. So thank you very much. Uh, this has been uh, a solo, my first solo aero bandwidth, and uh, from Canalis in uh, in 2016. So looking forward to seeing what the uh, the next one holds and where it's going to be because they they're going to change it I think for the next year. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much for listening, and we shall see you soon. Goodbye.